Life's a Mitch. Welcome back. This is episode 37 of Life's a Mitch. So last week I spoke to Johnny Clifton and he spoke to us about he's traveling to 174 plus countries. Aussie guy um, was introduced to us through Dan, who back in episode 20, the guy responsible for that amazing music intro. And uh, Johnny told us about that he was the part of the first Western group to trek into North Korea. You know, he's been behind lines in Afghanistan and he's been bitch slapped by a bear. And uh, that was pretty cool to hear that story and even funnier to see the footage. So that's in the bio and the YouTube links on there as well. So this week, venturing back to the Northern Hemisphere, um, back to the US of A. And um, my next guest is its somewhat of a unique uh, circumstance because as we all are aware by now, I was on Fake Doctor's Real Friends, Humble Brag, I got to meet Turk and JD. And apparently I have some fans out there. Now, this specific fan, I'll get her to introduce herself in a moment, um yeah it just has this interesting story to share and i thought this is too good of an opportunity to pass up so may i please get you to introduce yourself and um can you tell people like how what made you want to get in contact with me please yes hello um my name is angie um and so i got into contact with mitch through there's the a facebook group for the fake doctors real friends podcast um like for fans people who listen to it and Mitch was like posting a lot. He's, I remember the first post I saw from yours was that you were going to be a guest. And, you know, everyone in the group was like, oh, that's awesome. Like, so excited for you. Um, and then I think you posted again, like, after the day that you recorded. So, like, I had to start seeing your posts, like, in the group, um, you know, like, wishing you well. And then I finally heard the episode that he was on. And it was just great. I really enjoyed it. I thought, like, I thought you were funny, like, obviously, because you made Zach oh. Braff and Donald Faison laugh. Like, Stop. <laughs> and you made me laugh. But, um, so then, you know, when you plugged your podcast, I was like, oh, this is so interesting. I would definitely love to check this out. I'm, like, not a super big podcast listener. Uh, Fake Doctors Real Friends is the only podcast I listen to. <laughs> my boyfriend's way more into it uh, than I am. But love my scrubs one. So, like... Yeah, I don't know. We just started messaging and then I told you that I'm an opera singer and you asked me to come on the podcast and I was like, hell yeah. So here we are. You have a, fan <laughs> you have a fantastic attitude. I mean, I would be a fan of me too. <laughs> and um, That was great. Well, I mean, seeing the video, because I definitely saw the video of you on Mastermind first. Oh, wow. And then... <laughs> I saw that you were going to be on the podcast and I was like, Oh, of course they're going to bring this guy on the podcast. Like, there's like, there's no way they're not. So. Yeah. I, I see. Uh, it was interesting because I woke up and my friend tagged me just saying, wow, look at this. The host, uh, she had a promo video, Mark Fennell. And I'm happy to announce that as of today, he's coming on this here podcast. Oh, with, awesome. With me. So I'm happier than a, a pig in the blanket or whatever a metaphor is for happiness. I'm there. <laughs> I'll take a pig and a blanket. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and, I'll get uh, into that one. Oof. But um, yeah. So it, it's it was interesting, and that and then I woke up. I got tagged heaps, and then all of a sudden mentions, 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 and then Joel Monique, the producer of the show, said, "Do you want to come on?" And I was like, "Holy cow!" Um, yes. I sent I sent that many emails, and to get a response back was like. Oof, this is uh this is unreal and all it took was putting on a onesie that was way too tight and being way too bald and <laughs> I'm, apparently i'm a reddit thread too now but it was interesting and and after that happened people like yourself um just sort of reached out messaged me saying like you know what you were very entertaining you're very funny you know there were you know there are episodes that i resonate with that what you do and i'm still not used to it it's so humbling and it's so like um it means the world and yeah you know for you to come on here today and want to share your story is uh you know everyone that shares their time with me i i couldn't be happier so thank you angie i appreciate it you're and, so welcome uh, and i'm i'm happy to talk all things opera so first things first where did the journey begin for you when did you discover that you've got a great set of pipes and uh, when did you discover that opera was for you oh this is a fun one so i feel like i I feel like I have to start off by saying I'm not your, I, I don't know, I, I don't want to say any singer, opera singer is average, but I'm not your typical opera singer in that um, I didn't come from like musical theater, like in school, and I didn't, I don't like listen to opera all the time. 
Um, not to say that I'm not a fan of it. Of course I am. But I feel like a lot of people uh, assume, like, my students will often be, like, surprised that I listen to, like, pop music or, like, hip-hop. And I'm like, no, like, I have to have my palate cleansers just like everybody else. But so I started out in chorus, in choirs, like, in school. And okay. I always loved to sing, like, my the first, like, when I remember one of my first CDs was the Hilary Duff's Metamorphosis. Oh, wow, that's, that's a deep cut right there. Wow. Mm-hmm. Love that album. Um, it was like one of the, you know, one of your first purchases at FYE and I always loved singing along to it. And then I, you know, joined chorus in school and I got into like select chorus, whatever, always was involved in it. And then I did the musicals like in middle school and it was actually hilarious. So many of these shows were just, they, they were produced by this or they were written by this company called Pioneer Drama or published by them. And it was like these off, off, off. Broadway, like the most obscure themes, like they weren't actually like Broadway musicals or anything. The first one that I did was called Don't Say No to the USO. Um, and <laughs> What's that the about? only reason yeah, it was about uh, the USO, the United Service Organization, which is like a service organization that helps troops that are um, in like active duty in the, the US military. Yep. And it was set during World War Two. So it was kind of about like the the myth of Kilroy and that Kilroy was here drawings, but then it was also like a plot line about, you know, like Nazis infiltrating the USO. And the only reason I auditioned for it was because the character's name was Angie. I'm not even kidding. (laughs) (laughs) And then I got the part. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm doing this. And um, it sounds like something I do. It's just like, if it concerns (laughs) me firsthand, I'm going to do it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, little, little little eighth grade Angie was so excited that there was another Angie out there. She's like, oh, I have to play it. It's me. And I then I tried. She had us to like Angie the hamster in Scrubs. <laughs> yes. Angie appeared twice because Dr. Cox does call JD Angie at least once. I want to say he does it twice. And then they almost, you know, uh, Turk and Carlo almost named their daughter Angie. So there's a, getting there's that a Angie doctor- love. There's a Dr. Mitchell that Carla pretends to hook up with to get back at Turk and she walks out of the office with a bra up and she's got a big smile on her face. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, thanks, Scrubs. Scrubs fam. <laughs> Sorry. I No, I hope that your other listeners are also Scrubs fans because I'm I'm, I'm a, definitely a super fan. Like, I haven't tried to get on the podcast because I just I, – emails are, like, the bane of my existence. I just hate sending them. But um, I lo- I know – I've that's, like, I'm a serial repeater on hulu it just it's all i watch and yep. then when it's over i click back to season one and i start it over it's my comfort show like for real i've got a dvd rack just to my left here i've got all the like dvd collection so even season nine there are some funny moments so you know you start I do have you all the dvds it. but they mm. are at my parents house or my mom's house yeah, I, I hear, when I moved here, I couldn't. I didn't have the space. It made me sad. Priorities, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, yeah, next time I go home, I'll grab them. So what? Um, so yeah. So back to your story. So USO, yes. you were saying you tried out. You obviously got the role. Yeah, I got the part. So that was cool. Um, and then I went. And when then high school came, and I tried to do Fame, the musical. Hated it. Hated it. I hate. I think it was the choreographer she just drove me insane and like understand fame is like a very dance involved musical so like okay i'm not a great dancer so but i don't know i just like had a horrible time and quit and i was like i'm not doing this i don't like this but i stayed in choir so i was really into choir i did competitive choir like region they have in at least in the yeah in the u.s they have like uh districts and then regionals and then all state so it's like the best the best choral singers come together and form like super choir. Yep. Um, so I did that. And then my sister, my older sister, she was always the one telling me, Oh, Angie, you love music. You should go to school for music. Like you would, you would love it. You would be so happy. And I'd always shrug her off. I'd be like, meh, I don't know. Like I, I really wanted to go to school for chemistry. That was my, I was really in the science, the science brain. But then I, I toured my college that I've, I've, uh, got accepted to and I had gotten accepted to to major in English because I really had no clue what I wanted to do. But then my mom and I were touring the campus and this was I went to Westchester University of Pennsylvania. Go Rams. Um, go Rams. <laughs> go Rams. 
then we have to do the you have to do the medals, but like curve curl your fingers so you look like a ram. Oh, okay. So like hardcore yeah, metal hand, curve the curve your pointy and your pinky. Yeah, rams. No rams. <laughs> I um my mascot when I played rugby league was a magpie. Do you know what a magpie is? I don't. I know it as a bakery that li- it's like a mile down the street from me. Even better, a magpie is kind of like a black and white, um, like sparrow kind of bird, and uh, all western suburbs teams like Sydney and I grew up in a place called Newcastle, and um, yeah, it's it's synonymous for being a western suburbs representation. So go the magpies. <laughs> go magpies. There you go. Um, oh gosh, I lost my train of thought. No. That's okay. And this is this is where the power of my brain comes in fruition. So you're talking about <laughs> Rams. Your sister was oh, educated. Yes, your sister was trying to push you. Talk about chemistry. See, the chemistry yes. here is on point. Thank there you. There you go. <laughs> ah, but on. So I toured the campus, and they had just reopened. They were not reopened. They had just opened their new music building, and just a part of me was like, "Oh, I might minor in music. Like, let's go tour the music building." And then I just fell in love. The building itself is shaped like a grand piano. I'm not cool. even kidding. It shows up on the map, and it's a piano. So that was already, I was like, ooh, this is so cool. And it's an all Steinway school, which is uh, Steinway is the world's highest quality uh, piano that a lot, a lot right. of people would argue that it is. Um, See, I've got I've got absolutely no idea about the, so you, you're going to have to take me through this because I may as well put a dunce hat on right now. <laughs> oh, that's not necessary. A lot of people don't know a lot about um, opera or classical music, and that's where I come in. Cool. So, but yeah, so Steinway pianos are like top world-class, high quality pianos. So it was really great that every single room in the school had one. Um, so it was just like a, a real privilege to have uh, the, in the curriculum. I was just like, mom, I have to go here and I have to major in music. I was like, I need to be a music teacher. Like, this is what I need to do. So did college. I majored in music education for my bachelor's degree, um, thinking I wanted to be a choir director because that was all I knew. And then I saw, I didn't see my first opera until I was 18 years old, my freshman year of college. Um, was it just random? You were happened to go on or are you curious or? Yeah. Well, my, my, my voice teacher, um, oh, actually I should even backtrack a little bit was when I was singing, I loved singing classical music. Like my inquired, the classical songs were like the best ones. And then when I started taking private lessons, when I was 16, my teacher like just threw a, you know, took a risk and gave me a classical song and I fell in love and I was like, I love this. I want more. Is there more? And she was like, is there <laughs> like rub your hands together maniacally? Like, is there more? I got a story um, for you, doll. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So fell in love. And then I didn't even know that opera really existed until I saw my first one in college. And my voice teacher in college was the opera director. So she encouraged me to go see it. And I did. And it was uh, Cendrillon by Massenet. And that's literally Cinderella. It's just the fairy tale. So I already knew the plot. I didn't have to understand it because it was in French. Um, And I just was like, light bulb, like, hello. I like to sing classical music and I like to act because I did the plays in high school, but I didn't do the musicals. Were you like the first time you heard the vocals were you like, holy cow, how do these people control their voice box like that? Yeah. And it's, that's exactly how I, I was just like jaw on the floor. I was like, how I was like, I can sound like that. Like I'm in school with people who can sound, who sound like that. So I can sound like that. Like, because opera singers are not mic'd. They do not use amplification at all. So what you're hearing is just the miracle of the human voice. And it is so fascinating to me uh, learning how it works because I am a voice teacher as well. Um, So it's not like I got my education degree and just kind of tossed it aside. Um, When I graduated, I did a summer program called Up and Camera Music, and it was a chamber music program um even the Austria. even the even the titles are fancy <laughs> yeah that's a german one so fun yeah because almost all of it's in foreign languages or i don't want to say almost all but a good amount of it is in or at least of what people would consider the canon right now um that's a hot topic but the is mostly italian german french english and then some more like still pretty common but less common are russian and spanish could you imagine you know you you know the australian stereotype is that we speak lazy english and uh you know she'll be right you know 
Could you imagine an Australian <laughs> opera? Yeah, nah. Yeah, I want a couple of beers. Like that'd be <laughs> <laughs> the, the vowel. The vowels would really have to change for the dialect. That would be a little tricky. <laughs> well, to speak to speak Australian, you just put O at the end of everything. So the service station, servo. My name, my friend oh. Dave is Davo. And uh, when you want to go to the tort, you're going to go have a shit-o. No, <laughs> <not gonna> <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, because it's funny. There is there is one opera, actually, or one I can think of off the top of my head that's uh, in English, but it's in the it takes place in the South. So all the singers try like will try to have like a Southern drawl sometimes that is if, interesting. if they can pull it off. But it's rare. I feel like people often people who try it like aren't as successful as they would like to be, which I mean, it's challenges of just that method of singing, like the class, the bel canto classical style of singing. Bel canto just means beautiful singing. That's all it means. Cool. Um, I am. Um, well, when I'm true, when I'm at the pub and I'm ordering my steak after a few beers, I go full bel canto and I'm just like, yeah, now nah, <laughs> can I have a, a chicken schnitzel and chips? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I don't mean to uh, deface your awesome industry. My apologies. You are so good. I am. It's as an industry, it's not super awesome. Um, because I don't like to use the word industry for creative work. Um, because industry is defined as manufacturing an identical product for consume for consumption, and I don't like that because art is not. It doesn't fit into any mold. Even if you perform the same opera with different people, or if you perform even the same opera every night, the same shows, it's going to be a different work of art. Um, we're not creating a product. We're creating an experience. Um, so I don't like to say that. And also like, but, you know, it's supposed to be run as a business, which like, that's a whole nother conversation too, about how messed up the opera industry is. Uh, we got time. But yeah, I know we do have time, which is, fascinating at least in america that's that's one thing that's interesting too is because in other countries um like germany and france and a, a lot of these places are and even i saw london like they're getting back and they're coming they're doing things they're putting up shows again they're opening their houses again and the metropolitan opera which is the supposedly world's best opera house in the world in the world can't negotiate with their union, so they're having problems reopening. Is and that in the U.S. or London? Or yeah, what? it's in New York City. Okay. And uh, that's you know most every most singers' dreams is to sing at the Met in the Lincoln Center. Um, it's a beautiful stage. You know, it's an amazing theater. Like it's revered and has been for a long time. But you know, it's extremely problematic in a lot of ways. Okay, um, fair enough. But so I wanna I wanna hold on to that. Cause I want to finish my, my, how I'm here now. Cause I remembered I got carried away. I went to Alpen Camera Music and I was like, I'm performing all day and I want to do this all day. Sweet. You could just about put together any foreign words like mm -hmm. LA toilet and it would sound <laughs> amazing. And, uh, yes, it's so cool. See, so, okay. So pretty much so I'm in Austria. I'm literally in the sound of music. Like picture the sound of music. The hills are alive. Like that's where I am. It's I did a video of myself myself frolicking, like because I needed to have it. That's how I, that's how Australians speak. So I took myself down to the <laughs> don't stress. All good. I get I'm picking up what you're putting down. So okay. So you found your love. You graduated. And then Yeah. How did so you in, so I was Oh sorry, ask. please go ahead. Oh good. This is great. So this is the, the power of live theater. It's great. So I was going to ask you, can you explain some basic terminology for opera singing? Because I've got no idea. Like all I know, my, my, you know, training of singing is baritone, soprano or whatever Great. it might be, but like some terminology that you could use to try and explain it to people who have no idea or like some inside goss or words or if that makes sense. Sure. I would like to start by asking if you know any besides baritone and soprano uh in terms of vocal tone yeah i mean um, i'm just any words about classical music that you might have heard that you may not know the what the definition is uh beethoven <laughs> ah no Mr. i know beethoven. i know he's a composer <laughs> um honestly i'm not well versed on classical music due to the fact i've never really been exposed to it to be honest with you and oh yeah um i don't know whether that's the, obviously i could always go and educate myself but 
I just I was just never exposed to it where I grew up. Uh, there wasn't a lot of, well, to my knowledge, there wasn't a lot of opera around. It's kind of a more mm-hmm. of a capital city style thing, you would think, because where I live, it's it's a city but not a capital. So mm-hmm. if there were to be an opera group, it'd be a niche sort of circle of people, and I I just never been right. exposed to it. So. Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting to me to hear about how people might have heard about it or, you know, have experienced it. Um, People often forget that film music, the soundtracks for movies, the film scores are that's still classical music. I can I can I can name name like some classic soundtracks from movies I can recall if that helps you. Yeah, and that's often a lot of people's first exposure to like an orchestra. Like, say they you know, the, for example, like Boston Symphony Orchestra, I live in Boston right now. So Boston Pops is going to go, we're going to play the soundtrack to Harry Potter, like while the movie's playing. So you're really going to see the movie, but then you get to hear the soundtrack performed live by the orchestra. That would be unreal. That would be awesome. See, yeah, that's, that's a common thing in like cities. Um, yeah. So often that will be people's first kind of exposure. Like, oh, Oh, that would be so cool. Like, exactly. You get really excited. And that's awesome. It's, access and equity, equity of access is it's really difficult uh, in our society because it costs a lot of money to put on classical music because yeah. of the number of people that need to be involved and often uh, the lack of support from whether it be donors or government funding, public funding, whatever it be. Um, it can be really challenging to do what often people think about when they think about classical music. And I think that's the way my career has, it's not really only just begun. I've only been out of graduate school for three years. So I'm really just pretty new to this whole game, but I'm trying to be as not so one tunnel. They used they call it the pipeline, the opera pipeline. Like you're supposed to go through this one pathway to be successful. And the only way you will be considered successful is if you do this one thing, and it's exhausting and I don't it want to do that thing. It sounds very restrictive. Yeah, and I like to sing pop songs. I like to sing what are called art songs. Um, so art songs is like my favorite, favorite uh, form of classical music. And that's just like one song, like one track, you know, instead of like the whole opera, you know, two and a half hour whole thing. It's just like the one smaller, like a song. One chunk, one think- opportunity once in a lifetime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. so can you that's can my you, fave fair enough sorry to cut you off there so i'm You're like good. so i'm curious so could you take us through what just like to say a stereotypical opera performance like would be like what's involved in it like i'm assuming you know it has like a like a play there'd be different sort of yes. like there'd be there'd be interval in between intermission or whatever they call it like mm-hmm. state it's a live show like obviously you've got the oh, yeah, it's a live story, show telling a story just like any song. other play yeah, so it's a song, it's a, a plot, a, a play, I, well, I guess like a staged performance is, a, a, you know, happening live in front of an audience, uh, which, you know, this is pre-COVID, I'm going to have to preface with a live stage show with an audience that is completely sung. There's no or very, very little spoken dialogue or none at all. Um, and it's... It can be many things, you know, obviously it's going to have a plot. It's going to have characters that tell a story and have development, you know, climax, just like most any story, book, play, musical, whatever. Um, The main difference is that it's fully sung and that uh, like most of them are currently in foreign, like the, I don't want to say that that's an exception because globally that's not true about foreign languages, but um, yeah. So actually I just did a, I just did one. I just, uh, I just did an opera, my very first paid opera gig uh, since graduating. So that was really cool. Tell us about that. Um, it was with this local, really small local opera company. Um, I was originally cast as the cover or the understudy for this role. Um, and then really, I, it's unfortunate that the girl couldn't uh, come and do it because she initially had signed on and then something happened in her family that she wasn't able to make it. But then I was able to step in and sing uh, the role. So this particular opera, uh, we did not have a live audience. We did not perform it uh, f- all the way through. We filmed it. So that was really unlike any, you took it apart and filmed it all. Um, it's very new for this genre to do that. Um, so it was definitely a 
really different experience. But um, this opera, it's it's by Wagner, who uh, Richard Wagner, which I I just want to call him Richard Wagner because I feel like it would make him upset. Which we I've heard of I've heard of that name before. Yeah, he's um he's a very as far as operas go, most people think about the you know the lady with the horns helmet when the braids, um like Porky the Pig, back in the Looney Tunes days, he had that little helmet. Um, yeah. That was from Wagnerian opera, The Ring Cycle. Uh, so like he's real problematic is the baseline of it. Uh, he was extremely anti-Semitic. Um, very he was racist. He uh, and was not afraid by it. Uh, the Nazi party liked his work. Um, and it's still, it still baffles me why we often perform it, but that's again, a long conversation. However, this opera that he wrote that we did is called Das Liebesverbot, uh, but we sung it in English. So it's called the forbidden love is what it translates to. Oh, it sounded like, where did I leave my boat? <laughs> that's, <laughs> das that's Liebesverbot. That's probably racist on my part. I do apologize apologize to the german speaking community out there so sorry guys um, no, sorry. oh you were good <laughs> um but yeah so this this opera is based off of a shakespeare play um which i've never heard of it's called measure for measure maybe someone no i've never heard know. of measure for measure We're yeah usually, it's it's like you hear your common ones know. like you hear your common ones like macbeth or Hamlet yeah, or... there isn't there is a Macbeth opera. There isn't a Othello opera. There are multiple Romeo and Juliet operas. Like they like to write operas about Shakespeare, cool. Shakespearean plays. Um, but anyway, so this one it's a comic opera, which is like you know a comic comedy. Um, and all the I think my favorite part about opera is that the plot is always ridiculous. Like it's rarely going to make sense. It's really not. Like that's you don't look for it. You don't watch an opera looking for the, I mean, maybe you do. Cause sometimes I think it's hilarious to point out how it doesn't make sense, but you're not like, Oh man, that storyline was so realistic or sometimes it is, but comic opera is often just outrageous in plot. There's multiple love triangles. There's, you know, this one in particular was about the ban. It was a juxtaposition of extreme loyalty to the law and good, good with air quotes for sure. And then hedonism, indulging in pleasure, like alcohol and sex and things of that nature. And the balance of those two elements. Um, so basically this town, the little town of Palermo is uh, given a notice by their viceroy, their governor, that their carnival celebration is now forbidden. So they can't drink, they can't flirt with the ladies, they can't kiss, you know, no, no love, making or having or none of that allowed anymore so of course the townspeople are like screw this of course we're gonna do this or figure out a way to set everyone free who got arrested because the cops the police or whoever came and like basically raided their beginning of the celebration we're like no okay so of course the only person that can the only person that can save uh the one character wow i'm really already forgetting his name claudio who is sentenced to death for having having sex out of wedlock. He sounds sexy. Uh, is his sister who is in a convent. How convenient. <laughs> so the one character, Lucio, goes to the convent and says, Isabella, I need your help, but also you are smoking hot. Can we get married? <laughs> Isabella's like ill, but then is like, okay, I'll help my brother. Then there's a big court trial scene. Uh, my character I played, her name was Dorella. She was like one of the town drunks. So that was really fun. I got to have fake beer uh, in my hand most of the time I was on stage. So that was fun. <laughs> time it wasn't real beer. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I can't, I, we're going to not drink beer and sing. That's for, at least for Angie, that's not super, that doesn't go super great. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so yeah, I was like, I had to go on trial and I like seduce the one like head of the chief of police guy or whatever. Ooh. And um, so I get him to release all my charges and then help, you know, the, his boss, Frederick, he's like the main bad guy, if you want to even call him that. Um, he's like, nope, I'm stepping in. Claudio, you're still dying. Sucks for you. And, but then Isabella's like, she swoops in and is like, ooh, well, 
what if I meet up with you? Like, will you save my brother then? So of course it's like the, what is that? Right. A first night or whatever. Like he gets to have basically like, it's just a, she says she'll, she'll give up her body or, or her on her dishonor, like her honor. You can say that she'll bang, she'll bang him to save yeah. his brother. That's fine. That's all good. It's just funny. Cause in the show they always say, Oh, you know, it's her honor or whatever. Cause she's a, a nun, I guess. I'm not sure. But so yeah, that's, hilarity ensues you know there's some confrontations about other love triangles there's like some b-line c-line stories in there and then at the end everybody's free because my favorite part <laughs> i think of this is the part i will never forget just because we had to rehearse it so many times is at the very end claudio just he sings i'm free thanks to my sister because the translation of english in english is usually really tacky and hilarious um nice. i love it but i will just never forget the like the hilariously comically large removal of the handcuffs and being like, oh, I'm free. I will never forget. <laughs> that's, so, so is it, that's one of many like types. It's a, that's the, I'm trying to uh, like keep it basic. That's pretty basic. That's good. So is it, if it's sung in a foreign language and you don't understand mm -hmm. same language, is it still worth going to see one? Do you think? A hundred percent. Yeah. And two reasons for that being, one Excuse me. Be, or first one is they often will translate the opera in real time and have super titles above the stage so you will understand oh, every so word they're so singing. So it's like watching a movie with subtitles as well. So you can yep. Okay, cool. Um even if the opera is in English, um they do still have the su the super titles because sometimes singing, you know, singing can be hard to understand in that moment if you've never heard it before. Yep. And also, um, another reason is that because there there is the, the music behind it, it's often that you don't need to understand every single word to know what's going on in the show and to know the basic premise. Um, I think, especially when sung in their, you know, originally written language, the beauty of the music comes out because these composers, a lot of them were voice teachers. So they knew how to write for the voice and how to write well and to use the language as another tool for the singer to be even more expressive, to tell an even more authentic story, to sing even more beautifully. Cool. So it's, it's kind of like musical meets class, like classy sort of vibes meets like, like having exposure to many sort of um like different cultures at once so you're experiencing mm -hmm. foreign a foreign like sort of written culture you're experiencing a different form of theater that you've never been to and all the while you can still make it relatable because you can still literally read what's going on around you i think yeah. i'm i think i'm convinced uh, i i'm actually gonna have a look uh, after this and just see what's going on around the area and because, you know, we're relatively here. We've been lucky. Um, there's been no COVID cases here for a long time. Um, That's fantastic. The rollout of the vaccines, not available to my age group yet, but it's slowly getting done. And, um, so yeah, I, I, yeah, you've you've sold a ticket, at least to me. Oh, Maybe. awesome. You know, oh. I think it's funny because the way that opera has evolved, some people would say that it hasn't at all. And in some ways, they're correct. At some point, I don't know why, I want to say it was around the 1950s, opera became encased in amber, like it could no longer change. It had to be this one thing going a certain way, no matter what, despite all the time before that, opera had changed with the times because it was what everybody did, because that was the only thing there was to do, you know, in like Mozart time. Everybody went to the opera because it was literally the only thing, there was the only entertainment option. So yeah. like, you know, as time, everybody knew what it was. They always knew what was going on. They might not have known like every composer, but you know, like they would go to the shows. And so for, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, people like, I don't know, rich white men, I guess, like put it in amber and were like, it has to be like this forever or it's not opera. And in a lot of the larger companies like the Met who did absolutely nothing during COVID, I just have to put that out there. While many, many other, they did nothing. They did not do any virtual things, no virtual shows, whatever. They just closed. Anyway, but there are tons. So like on the main stage, it's still in that, or in the highest level. I I keep forgetting I'm not gonna be seeing my video. So with air quotes, highest level, um, they were unable to adapt. And all of these smaller opera companies are pivoting 
I hate that word, but I think it's a great way to, they, they have started filming and doing, working with filmmakers to make these really compelling pieces of art and really compelling filmed movies of, I think, I mean, I'm from Philadelphia originally, so I have to shout out Opera Philadelphia. What they've been doing is fantastic. I saw the, this preview for this opera called Soldier Songs and the trailer like blew my mind. It was just one guy in this RV and I, you get the whole gist of what the opera was. Cause it's, I think it was basically a one man show, but like he was, a, a, I don't know if he was active military or if he was a veteran or what, but like going through his PTSD. That's interesting. Like in the film, like you could see it visually and obviously in the singing. And it, I was like the way the camera would pan. And then sometimes they would do this like really cool, like way to blur out his face, for like for the, you know, like a filming effect. And I was like, wow, like this is the right direction. Like, this is so cool. You can't, um, that's all industries though. You can't just be stagnant and expect it. It's like expect things to be okay. Like, I oh, know, yeah. bad example, but you, you take the experience of say, uh, buying your, your groceries at the supermarket, you know, of course, at some stage, you're going to have the idea to be able to go online. You know, if there's a more convenient way to do something easier and, you know, with everyone now having access to everything at their fingertips, everyone wants yeah. to, wants it instantaneously or you know at a more convenient location so there's something as what's what opera would have been stagnantly in the 50s you know yeah. you've got this niche market of like you know essentially a dying art form imagine if that nothing had changed to today and you talk about businesses pivoting of course covid's affected all industries especially music and yeah. the arts especially here like live performers um uh, musicians actors uh, comedians you know anyone who needs who relies on an audience to get by, of course, that was always going to be affected. And, mm-hmm. you know, to hear what's going on at the Met, where they, you know, you either, you either adapt or swim, so adapt or sink. Yeah. It sounds like either one they don't want to adapt or they just don't care. So who knows, um, based on what you've just told me, it's, um, you know, it makes you wonder. But essentially, it sounds like this new modern way to, to film it and to tell a story about this guy's PTSD is I, I you know you never would have thought of like a like a like a, a cinematic opera experience like that and that's like that sounds pretty cool um as technology it looks evolves, awesome like yeah it's it's, it's I gonna happen had, i haven't had time to buy their subscription because i really want to like sit and watch it because it's just so like they're actually looking forward and i mean I know, I know the reason why, or rather, I can take a really educated guess as to why the Met is doing what they're doing, and it's because their donors are all old and rich, and they want the same thing over and over. Because they're the ones donating, they have to like pander to them. That's, and that's 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 stupid. It's like going to the it's same super restaurant, stupid. going to the same restaurant for thirty years, having your steak medium all the time. I mean, that's it, fine, but if you do it all the time, it's like, well, what? where's the excitement? I don't... They, yeah, they have relied on this method of their business model for too long. And frankly, some these donors will die. They are humans. They will die and their money will run out. So the fact that they are unwilling to think about what will happen if we don't create a wider audience base now is very concerning. But... Well, yeah. Frankly, I just want to divest from the Met. Like, I don't think we should put that worth into this their, their, as an institution because look at what they're doing. They're not pay- they haven't paid any of their performers since the pandemic, not a penny. And they cite their force majeure clause in their contracts as an obligation that they don't have to, despite many, many dozens of other opera companies still paying their contracted singers. They are having issues negotiating with their union because they're trying to force 30% pay cuts and cutting their health insurance. It's just like they're a lot, they are propping up singers who encourage blackface on stage and yellowface on stage, which is still a problem in opera that's really problematic. White singers should not be singing black roles. They should not be putting makeup on their face to darken their skin or to look like a race that they are not. They should just hire the singer of that, that race. It makes no sense. Does that still happen today, does it? Wow. Yep. Wow. That's um, um, Particularly, there are some operas of particular uh, repetitive, like this issue has been a problem in Othello. 
Um, and it is, what's the other one? Aida. And I mean, also, uh, Madama Butterfly is the only one that was set in Japan. Um, okay. it's just, it's bad. People really don't understand that this is not okay. Nobody does this anymore. Why are we still doing this? Like, it makes no sense. It sounds um, like they're 20 years behind everyone else. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it makes sense, actually, that we were just saying they were in case and ever in the 50s. So, like, they have a lot of catching up to do. It's 2021 now. And so it's it's challenging Yeah, being well, a member of this community that, you know, doesn't know, like, will advocate against these things will not support institutions that still do it like that's why i think we need to have somebody else come in and be like or maybe it should be more democratic why does there only have to be one best opera house in the world like why can't there be five why can't there be seven like the seven wonders of the world can't there be like the seven opera houses of the world or something like Tonight. and i think is eventually it... that these more forward-thinking opera companies will rise to prominence more what's the what's the i hope quote? at least Fair enough. What's the criteria of it being like the best? Is it like the most prestigious? Everyone wants to be there kind of thing. Do you want to take a guess? I think um, in terms of why I want why it's the best is because like it, the most shows are done there or something. It's the budget. But, How much so, money do they have? I have no idea. Is, is that the biggest? So the Met? I don't know how much money I've off the top of my head. I, I couldn't tell you what their budget is, but it is exponentially higher than every other opera company. Okay. So it's the most like, it's kind of like the best well-funded. It's kind of like if you're an actor, you want to be in Hollywood kind of, it's kind of vibes. Yeah. The most fire, the most, um, the most power, like money, um, chance yeah. to network. Okay. That makes sense. So like, and I mean, they do a competition, which actually did happen not that long ago, the Metropolitan Opera Council, National Council auditions um, happen every year. So yeah. it's like your one chance. If you win this competition, you might get to sing for them. Um, but you know, so just to submit in the competition, you have to pay money, just like you do for every audition. Um, yeah, right. That's, one of the only, wow. That's only jobs I know that has to pay for interviews. I have to pay for every audition I go on. That's, that's BS. In my opinion, but anyway, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not a, a opera loving. I'm just a guy sitting in Australia talking into a piece of plastic, <laughs> having a crack. <laughs> and just speaking a bit about like the whole black face, yellow face, like you take. Okay, so look, we'll, we'll transition back. Fake doctors, real friends, for a minute. Mm -hmm. You know, done twenty odd years ago, and and Zach Braff and Donald Faison did white face and black face. Anyways, this day and age, Bill Lawrence went through himself, the creator of the show, and took those episodes off streaming services and sincerely made an apology and acknowledged that at the time it was probably not too bad, but these days it's not appropriate. So, you know, yeah. he's obviously evolved with time. Obviously, Scrubs is pretty much timeless and um, plenty of funny moments, but at least if you have the, the owner and you know creator of a show goes well okay let, let's keep it more appropriate for the time then that to me sounds like it's going to be more sensitive to cultural issues going on um yeah you know and it's not okay to dress up you know as a man being a woman or it's not okay to dress up as trying to insinuate like trying <laughs> well, to uh, in opera it is there is a thing called the pants roll and that's very common that it's um um a role of a male character but it's sung by a female is that right, uh, mezzo-soprano voice, as I want to be. Is that like a normal practice, or do you think that's a bad thing? Yes. Um, that was written. I. It's not, uh, It's funny because people think opera is super conservative, but it's one of the gayest art forms. <laughs> yeah. Because of that, like, I really, truly think the co uh, composers just wanted to cover up that they wanted to have more gay things happening in their shows. Um because they intentionally wrote it for a mezzo-soprano voice, which is typically a female voice, um, but you know, not always. But Fair enough. so that it's it's become a pants role. That, that term has become very normal. Um, in probably one of the better well-known operas, *The Marriage of Figaro*, there's a pants role character named Carabino, which is always played by a, a, a mezzo-soprano. And then there's another one, uh, Strauss or not Strauss? Wow, I'm I, I am should know this better. Oh, good. Take a deep breath. It's late. I don't know my operas. And that's why I'm, no, I'm not your typical opera singer because I don't have as much of every show, every role, every character knowledge as well as I haven't seen them all. Well, I don't know what a frankly. typical. Well, here, don't stress. Here, you're not going to get judged. 
because I'm not no, your typical it. opera listener either. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, right, there's well, there's a few off the top of my head. I have a friend who's a mezzo. She often sings. Uh, she sings male roles or. You know, she sings those roles and yeah, he has a blast with them. It sounds like an insult. It's like instead of calling someone fatso, you call him a mezzo. <laughs> I mezzo. Mezzo, yeah. It just means middle. <laughs> Get over here. Well, what we might do now is we'll take a bit of a, a digress from opera speak for a minute because we've covered cool. your story. We've covered like the basics of an opera show. We've covered some different sort of issues in, well, for less for a lesser term, the industry. Mm-hmm. I want to know, Angie, you know the, the consistent thing this show has. You know what's coming up, yes, the section. I do. I've been thinking about this all day. <laughs> so, all right. Here it is. Let's have it. Would you want to have a bitchy with Mitchie? Yeah. I've been trying to think of a good one all day, to be honest. Um, and I think I really think my bitchy for this week is just why can't – or, well, I am annoyed that people no longer understand – like satire or jokes, particularly on Twitter. Everyone's offended. Like, I kind of, yeah. Well, everyone reads everything is so black, like absolutist. It has to be this or this when that's not true. Like I just saw it's so dumb. Like particularly in classical music, Twitter, there's this, again, a guy was just making a joke about time signatures, about how you should be able to count everything in four. Every song ever was written in four, which means in groups of just think one, two, three, four, you should be able to count every song in some group of four. And that, but he's just joking. Like, but oh my God, everyone gets so mad. So many quote tweets, so many replies of just like, look at this guy who has no clue what he's talking about. It's like, he's a professor of music theory, like, and he has been. It's just like, I just can't, like he's, it's so for me, like read the room. Like, and it's, you can't read the room anymore. Like, or rather the room is too full. I don't know. It just drives me insane. Like I used to have fun scrolling and looking at memes on on my social media. And it's not like that. It just is a toxic place. And it makes me sad that that little website has so much power over us. It's, um, yeah. If you've seen the social dilemma out there, if you haven't, I suggest watching it. Oh, I have. Because, um, it's, it it (laughs) makes sense, but you know, in Australia, um, no, uh, the US might be the same. I'm not sure. I've never been there, but we we there's an expression called taking the piss out of someone, and what that means is to be cheeky with them, have banter, you know, and you put shit on each other. Mm-hmm. And that now, especially with like a generation younger than I, so I'm I'm 31, and I find it with you know millennials, say sort of 24, 23 and under, everyone seems to be offended very easily, and. I don't know if that's a stereotype or the truth, but like it's always in the media you see small circles, small pockets of people getting more media time than what they should. See, you know, if you're, I don't know, say a vegan, say, so veganism is on the rise, fantastic. If you want to take that path for your body, that's great. But I don't need to be told you're a vegan. You know, like it's just like extreme, extreme circumstances like people protesting on private land and people's farms, like trying to release their stock and stuff. Like you don't need to do that. If you want credibility, yeah. if you want to, it's like just like, oh, hey, man, hey, you want to come around for a barbecue? Yes. However, I'm going to bring some vegan snacks. Cool. Fine. That's cool. And that's how easy it should be. Like people shouldn't force their ways on someone else and especially yeah. trespass on someone's land because they don't agree with selling meat products. Like, uh, yeah. I know that's an extreme it's, circumstance, but that's... The, uh, it's is that kind of what you mean? The beauty of this... Yeah, the beauty of this world is that there are so many different perspectives in it, and there are so many different ways to live life, and there are so many different people who think in different ways, and I think that is what makes this world so freaking awesome. Yeah, it is. And that's and that's that's why I like doing like, this podcast. It's okay to not agree with the joke about the time signature or, to, or about the metronome or what like or about whatever other put any tweet honestly like out there anyone's opinion of anything. Like it's okay that we're different. Like it's just crazy how people forget. Now, I'm not saying that of course like there are certain ideological things like, you know, of well, the general population would view as being good. Like, of course, like, you know, I'm not condoning 
racism or homophobia or any of those like you know truly atrocious hates towards any group of people but as far as like i don't know i just feel like people took the fun out of online banter and it makes me sad and what yeah what it's rare to come across it truly anymore well you know there are little pockets i i I, um listen to a podcast called this week in league and it's um like a rugby league community and it's you know essentially there are a few women it's mostly bloke aussie blokes just taking the piss out of each other and it's great because they know that it's like it can be well accepted and if you carry on like an idiot they kick you out it's like you know oh i find that remark really like offensive then fuck off you're not wanted here like you know what you're getting into and the podcast itself f's and c bombs and it's flipping hilarious and like mm-hmm. you know there are people that there were probably heaps of people that would be offended by but it just comes back to like you, you see people like you like you mentioned like whinging about something and you know they have the power to so it's like you know say um there was a dumbo streaming on disney okay so you know you take mm-hmm. a circus and you take a you know an enslaved animal or whatever and people writing into disney saying this isn't appropriate to stream for fuck's sake you do not have to watch it nine times out of ten the consumer is able to stop it themselves and like the average joe or jane blogs who writes in like what the fuck would you know about animal entrapment and animal slavery jane, probably nothing you just got nothing better to do than having a fucking whinge and excuse my language here, it fries me up because those that want to make change, be the change, be proactive. You don't want to watch it, then don't. That's one. And if people started doing that, then the viewership would be detrimental to, you know, to Disney, of course. But, you know, like at at the end of the day, I'm not going to let my day be affected by something like that. If I don't want to be exposed to it, I won't. It's simple, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what I think. You know, help yourselves. Like go out there be the change and you'll be more proactive. And then, you know, who takes the time to write an offensive letter to a phone carrier who can't give you support, give them a ring. <laughs> you don't need to publicize yeah. that shit because that just means you're a keyboard warrior. I don't know. That's just my opinion. Yeah. I, 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 I get you, man. I do like, yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. I just like, I feel like people often forget that the world is a very complex place. And like people make, I think they draw a lot more assumptions than they should. Like they've, they, people don't know how to take things at face value anymore. They, like, always have to draw some conclusion from, like, one, you know, 240-character tweet or whatever, whatever. But, yeah, it's it's just become a lot. That's why I've been trying to get off my phone as, as much as I can. Yeah. Because I, I did watch Social Dilemma, and my boyfriend sat me down and, like, made me watch it because he was like, you have a problem. And it he was right. Like, I still catch myself. I mindlessly scrolling you know like with no intention and then i thought about the word mindless the other day and i was like why do i want to do anything mindlessly and then i know the term mindfulness is like has been like i think overused a lot recently but i think i didn't even realize that difference about doing something i do this mindlessly all day long scroll on our phone but mindfulness is like this Oh, what it you're gonna depends. downplay that when it's it depends. like I guess it, it depends what lens you're so much happier. Depend it depends yeah, what exactly. you I suppose. Like I've found mindfulness has helped me in some ways. Like so you know, it, it's it's just about how you look at it, but um yeah. You, what you say definitely. But I think makes even sense. Yeah, and, and mindfulness doesn't need to be, you know, meditation or yoga or whatever specific activity. It just I think it needs I mean, I've, I tried different methods of just getting back to this present moment. Like my mind is a million thoughts a second. And sometimes I just have to like, I tell you, yeah, exactly. Like figure out how to be like, how can I be in this room right now where I'm at instead of worrying about something that either happened already or is going to happen. I think the term right now, the term challenge your thoughts, you know, if you, what's fact, what's fiction. Okay. So what evidence mm-hmm. states that, you know, if I'm anxious that I've upset person B down the road, what evidence was there to state that I did that? And is there actual evidence? Is it fact? Is it fiction? And that brings me into my bitchy for the week. It's that people that make unnecessary assumptions and they think they know something better than you do. Um, mm-hmm. I just, you know, for example, I'm a, I'm a coal miner and I've worked in road construction for six or seven years. So I know my ray around like a whole truck or a, a roller or something like that. And um, people that think that, you know, they watch a few YouTube clips and they know better than you, 
It's just like, mate, what are you doing? Like, I just think people with no credibility trying to pick arguments where they don't, you know, they don't know enough on it. It'd be like me saying to you, I don't know, but, you know, didn't you know that, you know, the, the in the 1950s opera actually did this? You'd be like, piss off, mate. You just said you don't know a thing about it. <laughs> and, like, you, you, you're just sitting there going, like, mate, I've studied this. This is my life. And you think you know more than me? Come on, mate. Yeah. Oh, I get that for sure. Yeah. So that's mine. I'll just. I think that's people... why I made my my Twitter handle. I made it Master of Music Angie. <laughs> when people were changing their names, because I was like, I know a thing or two. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So I um. So we'll start to wrap things up there pretty shortly. But if people want to get in contact with you and and do a bit of voice training, or you know maybe get involved in seeing a show, how can people get in contact with you, and what's the best way to go about it? Yeah. So I do teach. Uh, voice lessons and piano lessons, beginner piano, I have to say, because I'm I'm not the best player myself, but I can get you off the ground. Um, vo- I do it all. Right now I'm all on Zoom or on, you know, I use Google Meet. I use Zoom. I use Facebook Messenger, video chat. Um, I My website, I guess, would probably be the best place to go for that, which is you can find, like, information about performances I have coming up or... Uh, any recordings? I just made some recordings uh, with my duo partner, um, and I think they're going to be really, really special. Um, this was her last opportunity to make music in Boston before she moved to Japan with her husband. So it's a big change over a short period of time. Um, yeah. But I think those recordings are going to be really special. Uh, we we did them in a recording studio, which is like not common for classical music. Um, so those will be up. My website is www.angelicagrousoprano.com um i'll definitely give you the link for that so you yeah can for sure it it'll, it'll be for the spelling correct, purposes correct spelling. yep for sure um and then i'm not super active on other socials mostly instagram um which my handle is nj which is a-a-n-j-a-y-y-y it's my sister's nickname for me growing up <laughs> um that's just like my everyday shenanigans. Sometimes I post, I will post videos of me singing on there, but not as commonly as like on my YouTube or my website. Yep. Um, which I think is just Angie Growl is my YouTube. Um, G-R-A-U is my last name. And then, yep. yeah, my I have those recordings coming out that I self-produced or well, you know, help me, you and I paid for all the stuff. And then I have that opera that I did um, will be released I haven't been given a date yet. I asked my producer. She said end of June. So I hope that I will have a date very soon. I'll post that on my socials um, as well. Not a problem. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll be sure to share it once I know, um, like on all my social, my Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff. Yep. Um, yeah, that's awesome. that's all my networking stuff for now. But yeah, if you want a lesson or you want to chat more about classical music, I think my goal as a classical musician is to just be like every other musician. I don't want to be treated in any special way. I don't want people to think that classical music is like a highbrow or like a an exclusive thing. Like the music is for everyone. It's just like any other. Like I really, I want it to be treated just like every other genre. It has okay. fans, it has people who hate it. You, people go to the shows, you may not go to the shows. Like, And I think that's why the projects that I've been doing independently have been more casual. Like these last recordings, I just like had wavy hair and wore like a shirt. Like I didn't wear the ball gown and was not on the fancy stage. Like, because I just wanted to tell the stories and sing the songs like and be me. And I'm a complex human being. I'm not just, you know, I'm not just an opera singer. I'm a sports fan, powerlifter. I'm a powerlifter as well. I enjoy the fuck out of it. Yes. So fun. Um, Yeah, no, I just think I want it to be mainstream. Oh, and that's so going to start. That and if that's you gonna... do check out my stuff, that you'll see that I'm making that effort. <laughs> and that's going to start by having conversations like this. So, well, For um, sure. is there anything that you want to close out on? Uh, no, I mean, this was so great. I'm really glad we got to chat. Yeah, I was sure. looking forward to this. Well, and... um, was it everything that you expected? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I thought I was going to have a harder time with the bitchy with Mitchie. I'm not going to lie. Because I all, had really worried about it today. I was like, what am I going to say? We all, we all need a good wine. And I hope that that section is catching on with people because I want it just to normalize. It's okay to get stuff off your chest, even if it's to a stranger. So. Yeah, man. I appreciate that. 
Hey, no problem at all. Thanks for coming on episode 37. We are getting on now. So we're now 12 ahead of uh, what's been released. So keep an eye out for this one, guys. And uh, I'll catch us on the next one. Bye for now.